Okay, welcome back to Alabama Care. Today we are at the Lakeshore Foundation and we have with us Dr. Jim Rimmer. Uh, Dr. Rimmer is the Lakeshore Foundation Endowed Chair in the Health Promotion and Rehabilitation Sciences. And we also have Mrs. Alex Yates, the Project Coordinator for the UAB Lakeshore Collaborative. And today we're going to be talking about an overview of the UAB Lakeshore Collaborative and the research project M2M. And at this point, I'd like to hand it back over. Dr. Rimmer, if you would introduce yourself. Yeah, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, this is a real delight for myself and Alex Yate to be able to present uh, the work we're doing, which has an extreme and profound importance to helping you uh, either find programs that are of interest to you or to your children. So we're, we're really, really excited today about presenting and being part of this wonderful quote unquote family. Thank we you appreciate for us. We appreciate you being here, and we always like to ask: Are you originally from Alabama? Oh boy, <laughs> how, much, how much time do we have? <laughs> I am not from Alabama. I have tried to work on my accent since 2012. It just, unfortunately, I've been a total failure. So I haven't really acculturated language-wise. But I love the South. I love Alabama and everything about it. So glad to be here. Now, where are you originally from, if you don't mind me asking? I grew up in Flushing, Queens. So uh, anybody uh, from the Northeast, uh, it's where uh, my first position was at Shea Stadium. I was a vendor when the New York Mets won the World Series. I won't tell you what year that was, but you can <laughs> Google it a long time ago. Uh, and so I made my journey from New York to uh, several other states where I did my graduate work and then ended up here in Birmingham and it's uh, it's a it's a great city and of course Lakeshore Lakeshore Foundation is 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 a real pearl mm -hmm. you know not only in the city but for the world I remember Shea Stadium uh, I grew up in Philadelphia just outside went to East Strasburg University in the Poconos and there was a double header between the Phils and the Mets uh, for their last uh, games at the stadium before they you know rebuilt the new one so we went up there for the double header uh, oh, and it was amazing man. It's awesome. It was really cool. Awesome. So. Yeah, the old stadium with all those little, you know, blue and, and orange uh, metal containers or whatever they put on the outside. That was amazing. So, uh, now that's, that's cool. You're from New York. Uh, I've been here for, like I said, about four years. So, uh, I feel you on that. Well, Mrs. Yates, if you would introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Alex Yates, and I'm project coordinator for the Movement to Music Study here at Lakeshore Foundation. I am born and raised here in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I left for a brief four years to go to Auburn University and then returned right back, um, went to UAB for my master's and then I have been either at UAB or Lakeshore since um, I graduated. So it's been a wonderful opportunity and like Dr. Rimmer said, Lakeshore Foundation is just a pearl in this whole state and it's um, even the country really. It's, it's a wonderful place to get to work and I've been very lucky to have the opportunity. Um, so, can I confidently say War Eagle then? Absolutely. Okay. That's, yes. a, that's a big thing in Alabama. Absolutely. In college football. You're one or the other. <laughs> right or wrong, some would say. <laughs> so, today we're going to be talking about the UAB Lecture Collaborative. And, and Dr. Rimmer, if you would give us an overview of what exactly that is. Yeah, so uh, I would say maybe 11 or 12 years ago, Lecture Foundation, which of course, you know, was building this tremendous reputation in the area of programs and services really wanted to add a dimension called research. And the reason they wanted that dimension is because in order to push the scientific findings into the field, into, into public health practice or community practice or even to a fitness center, you know, they realized that in order to show that their programs were successful and that they can grow from those programs a research base that would provide other programs across the country with a level of evidence that these programs are effective for improving the health of people with disabilities. They uh, gifted University of Alabama Birmingham $2 million to set up the Lakeshore Endowed Chair. And at that time, I was very happy at the University of Illinois Chicago. I lived in Chicago, one of the great cities of the country, and got a call from Jeff Underwood, the president, that they'd like to come up and visit and see what our facility was like and what types of programs we offered and what types of research we were doing. So they came up, Jeff, the dean of the school at that time was Harold Jones and Patrick McNeese, who was the associate dean, and they just wanted to learn more about it. And from there, they realized that if they could find someone who had a real interest in physical activity and disability, that it would be a good match with this first uh, endowed chairs position. So I ended up coming down and accepting that position and the rest is history. 
I like how you um, you say the, the importance of the studies there um, and having that raw data so other people can kind of piggyback off of that. Uh, and it gives a platform for other organizations to, to build their own uh, you know, programs like that. Now, um, in the UAB Lakeshore Collab, how many um, studies are going on currently? Boy, uh, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head, but we have probably eight and a half million dollars from the federal government to, to you know, create a whole number of different types of programs. So we have programs you know, primarily in the area of exercise, but we also have other programs that deal with mindfulness, nutrition, you know, developing core values, uh, building out your self-care skills. Uh, we've got a lot of other things going on. I know today, you know, the focus is on move, movement to music, which Alex will, you know, really uh, enhance and show how that's so beneficial. But we have multiple projects. Let's just keep it at that for now. Yeah. yeah. And um, a few of the projects, like you mentioned, center around movement um, and being able to move around and, and that's impact on health. Why is movement so good for being healthy? Well, it's a biological need everyone needs to move you know we weren't built to be sedentary we were really built historically you know through our ancestors to move you know sometimes we had to move because of inclement weather you know there'd be you know you have to shift and move to other parts of the world to protect yourself you know clothing wasn't available in those days when we began as homo sapiens so the whole essence of movement was really to blend it with sedentary behavior. So you move to find food, you move to, to find shelter. Sometimes you moved away from, you know, dangerous, you know, uh, individuals or, or animals. So we've lost that, unfortunately, over the last two centuries, you know, when we became a, an agrarian society where we started to use machines, you know, to, to grow food, we became less and less physically active. And then when we went through the whole industrialization era and now into technology, you know, we've kind of engineered out physical activity. And yet, you know, the body was built for a combination of the two. Now, that being said, we know that, and you'll hear this from Alex, that movement to music is very prescriptive because there are a lot of people with disabilities who have a level of pain where movement can be more painful. So we have to be very conscious that, you know, it's just not movement in general. There has to be a prescription to this to, to ensure that people with pain, which is the number one secondary condition in people with disabilities, you know, is really not aggravated or exacerbated. And, you know, when Alex talks about the movement to, to music program, I hope you all on, who are in the audience, you know, understand we're doing this in a way where we're protecting the individual's body rather than, you know, causing further harm. It's almost like you need a little bit of stress there to grow and build a muscle, but you don't want to overdo it and you can rip a muscle. Uh, kind of the same way, but I feel like I sit in front of the computer for probably eight hours a day at a desk. Um, but I always feel better. If I have a, a good day, if I get in a workout, it becomes a great day. If I'm having a bad day and I get a workout in, it becomes a good day. Um, the exercise just takes it to a different level. Um, and I play hockey down in Pelham. That's a good outlet for me, but you have to have these physical expressions um, that kind of rejuvenate you there. So it seems kind of common sense to me, but what we need to do is back that up with hardcore data through these studies. Um, and I'd like to hand it over, Mrs. Yates, if you would introduce the M2M study. Yeah. Yeah, so Movement to Music, or M2M, um, it is a program that we have been studying for a few years now. We actually have our second um, grant from the National Institute of Disability Independent Learning and Rehabilitation Research that would take us for 10 years of studying this particular program. Um, the first iteration of it, we were really looking at, can we cr start to create a program that would be complementary with some of the more popular um, exercise programs like yoga? Now we've taken it to the next level and we're looking into um, really the different aspects of the, the class, which um, is, it is, it does have music, it does have movement, it does have um, range of motion. We do aerobics, we do strength. So we kind of have an all-encompassing program. We're really looking at it at how can we create this into a community-based program? How can we take it out so that more individuals can reach it and receive the benefits of it? Um, so at this point, we're three years into this, this portion of the program. We did have to restart our plan a little bit after um, 
COVID came along. So we are completely remote now, but it's allowed us another opportunity to really see how to disseminate this to individuals at their own home, um, which has been a huge hurdle for us in the past. Uh, transportation can be a major issue. So we've now taken that out and we're able to get this program to individuals, allow them to move in the comfort of their own home. They can hear the music. They can still interact with the other individuals who are in the class with them. One of the unique aspects of Movement to Music is that we have a class um, that might focus on individuals who can walk with or without assistance, but we also have adaptations for another class that's for individuals who might only use a wheelchair for their mobility. We also have another class that's focused on um, adaptations for individuals who might not have full effect on one side of their body as a result of you know, maybe having had a stroke. So we try to make sure that this is a class where we can provide movements to everyone and make sure appropriate adaptations are provided so that everybody can participate. Yeah, so the exercises there are really class specific. They are. Um, so you'll be in a class with somebody that has the same abilities as you and the exercises will be tailored for you individually for that community, that class. Um, I'd like to ask, is there anything that really surprised you about going to remote or kind of telehealth? Um, are there things there you were like, huh, I didn't think about that or we should focus on this a little bit more? Absolutely. So the benefit of doing this along with everyone else going remote is that there is a learning curve that everybody's kind of more comfortable with Zoom. We weren't necessarily prepared for that because we got this uh, change started basically in March of 2020. We, we saw what was happening and knew it wasn't going to be a quick turnaround. Um, but I would say that some of the things we've had to really kind of think through and be strategic about is how do we continue to have a community feeling when you're not in the same room with somebody? How do the instructors reach on a personal level each independent person without um, calling a person out or you know having to have essentially a phone call in order to really get to know a person? It, what's been surprising is it's been a lot easier than we expected. I think everybody is enjoying the opportunity, especially I, we're a little bit more open now, but at the beginning when we were still pretty closed, it was a great outlet. Mm. People were able to have that social interaction and be a part of an exercise program that encompassed so many things, but that at the heart of it, they were involved with something. And I think that was a really big benefactor that we were a little prepared for, but surprised by how well it went. I think we're going to get a lot of studies in 10 years about the mental health that happened during the pandemic and be, to have these outlets where you can talk with other people, your peers. Mm -hmm. um, I think the benefits of that are, are going to be very high. Uh, so what you guys are doing is you're doing the physical exercise, but you're also giving people almost a therapy session to be with their peers. Um, now, <clears throat> you guys have been doing this study for a few years. How many participants do you currently have? So right now we're about to end a wave. Um, so we had a group that did start with, with the study before COVID hit. So we had 20 people who were doing that version of the study. We've since restarted and we're also re-recruiting our full number. So at this point, we have about 15 who will complete with this first iteration of the wave. Our overall goal is 108 people. So we have um, a few more waves that are coming up. But we try to have a class of nine or less in um, the, with a Zoom session just because of the way you can still see each other in the, um, the presentation of Zoom. And then we've, we've said three or more because we do a group class. We yeah. want to make sure there's enough people to have a group feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and what is the age range of the participants? We are looking at individuals between the ages of 18 and 70. Um, they have we look for a diagnosis of CP, MS, spinal cord injury, spina bifida, Parkinson's, stroke. Um, we want to make sure that they are independent, but we do allow for caretakers to be a part of this as well. Um, so we, it's, it's fairly open as far as our inclusion criteria. Um, and you're currently taking um, new participants. Uh, so anyone can sign up, even if a program's going on, the 10 to 12 week program's going on, they can sign up for the next one. Absolutely. Um, okay, I, I wanna ask more about that in a little bit. Um, Dr. Rimmer, uh, if you could comment kind of on the, the hypothesis being tested uh, for the M2M uh, study. This particular study, we're looking at better understanding if people with a range of functional limitations can be sort of collapsed in the same group and achieve the same benefits. In our first study of movement to music, uh, which Alex had alluded to, started in 2013 and ended in 2018, we focused primarily on a couple of disability groups. And what we found, in particular with multiple sclerosis, is that sometimes there's greater heterogeneity 
within the same disability group as there is across disability groups. So if you look at multiple sclerosis, you know, there's a whole functional continuum where some people, you know, completely independent, they're still doing vigorous exercise and others can't, you know, really move very much and need a much more limited program. So we just thought this would be a great opportunity to take these 108 participants and try to figure out, you know, if there's a better way to organize uh, classes in the future. And as Alex mentioned, you know, one class would be completely chair users. We know that, you know, a lot of what people are asking us for are things that are very specific to their own function. So it's a little more challenging to put chair and somebody who can stand and do exercise uh, in the same group. So we're trying to break it out by chair, use of one side of the body, or somebody who could do both, standing and sitting. Now, uh, does somebody have to be in the state of Alabama for this, or because it's remote, could you be anywhere in the world? We've opened it up. Um, we have not left the country necessarily, uh, just because we do have to go under IRB and their specific regulations that we have to follow into. But nas uh, nationally, we can do that. Um, we ship equipment so that everybody can have a laptop and access to join the classes. So it's we've, we've been sending it all over at this point. We've actually had a lot from um, up north. We've had a few people a little bit further out uh, west, so it started to reach a little further. Yeah, so yeah. the equipment's kind of like a, a loaner for, for 12 weeks? It's actually not a loaner. Um, we do send it and they can keep it. It's um, all the equipment that we need for doing testing at the beginning and end. So we do blood pressure cuff, um, pulse oximeter, a few little things that we need in order to measure um, their physical health at that point. We send that along with the laptop, which is fully set up and ready to join um, the Zoom sessions. It's got a few documents on there for reference, um, and that's theirs to keep. Well, I feel like if you want to start getting healthy for about 12 weeks and you want a free laptop, you might as well join <laughs> up, get all this yeah. cool stuff and be yeah. a part of the, the class there. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, we just have you two here today, but the M2M study is quite a, a team. Uh, there are quite a number of people on there. But how many people are on the team? So we have five individuals who teach the class um, that are instructors, three who are kind of a primary and they help to develop the actual classes and then the two that have also helped um, to step in and learn along the way. We currently are training three individuals from the YMCA to hopefully be able to teach this in the future. Um, we have two research assistants and then Zoe Young is our science investigator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a full team and, and then Lori T is, um, Lori Terrio is our communication. She's really getting out there and making sure everybody um, is able to know about the study that might be interested in joining. So we have a, a large team that's helping get this whole thing going. Yeah, on, on the page, and we'll put the uh, the link to the page in the chat so everybody can see that, but there's quite a, quite a bit of uh, a group there that you guys yeah. have. Yeah. Now you mentioned the YMCA. Uh, so are you looking at expanding the program outside of Lakeshore? When we first applied for the grant, that was a big step. Um, and it is still a big step. It's just we have to kind of see where we're going now that COVID has changed. But our whole goal was to actually have it into five different YMCAs by the end of this grant's um, five years. And the point of it is, you know, we are doing research and we do need to have the hard data to know that this is a, a successful program and what benefits it provides. But we don't want to just keep it to ourselves. Mm. So we really want to make sure that we can translate this into a community setting. And the YMCA was a natural selection for us to really make sure we can get it out um, and share with others. Yeah. And uh, in Birmingham, the YMCA network is awesome. I go to the YMCA over in Bessemer, but I have a citywide thing and uh, there's like six, seven YMCAs that I can go to if I'm you know, working on a different side of town and I want to pop in and get a workout and I can just go there. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. all, I mean, great facilities, great access to things. So it's been a very easy, we were already in the conversations with five of them to start hopefully implementing the class. Um, we'll be revisiting it and we're always in conversation with them, but um, that is the end goal is to make sure it's in that kind of setting. Um, and let's talk a little bit more about the specifics of the classes. So if somebody was interested in, in joining the program, but was unsure, maybe a little bit nervous, this is something new. Um, what, what is expected from a participant and what does that look like? As far as joining the study, um, we do ask a certain um, list of questions. We have a couple things that we need to do in order to make sure that every individual would be a good fit for the program. Um, and that's to make sure that the individual would receive benefits. We, we've catered this to a certain group and we need to see how that works before we can expand it to the, the whole population. So um, we do a quick screening, we make sure that works. We talk, we get um, physician's approval, make sure they're comfortable with it. And then there's some testing at the beginning. It's um, some physical health measures just to see where you are at baseline. 
and then you're randomized. So 50% of the group will participate in the class right away, and that's three times a week for 12 weeks. 50% will then do what we call control, and that's just continuing your activities, um, which is helpful for us to see what's available right now to individuals um, with these diagnoses. And then at the end of those 12 weeks, that group gets the opportunity to participate in the class. Um, so everybody comes back together at the end of 12 weeks, does a little testing, and then um, control would have that opportunity. So 50% of the participants wouldn't be in the class for those 12 weeks. They'd be the control group. Correct. Mm -hmm. And then they can do the class the next period. The they next do it weeks. after the 12 weeks. So they kind of flip-flop uh, one program to the next. Correct. I'd want to be doing in the classes though. It's funny. I have some who do and some who are like, woof, glad I don't have to do that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> now, as we're kind of coming out of this pandemic, um, are you thinking that you're going to keep the remote going or is it going to transition all to in-person again? We are. Um, as I mentioned, it was something that actually was a good translation for us to see what this is like to deliver it. Um, we have the opportunity to deliver it outside of Birmingham. And so it's been really beneficial to reach more people. So we will continue to keep this portion of the study remote. If we were to move and be able to do something with the why, we would probably look at a more in-person, but we just don't have that information yet. Yeah. So the instructors are kind of doubling down on classes then because they'll have one remote and they'll have one in person. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you notice anything, uh, like when I think about the pandemic and remote, uh, and I think back to like schools and children, um, is there, is, are, are less people showing up to classes or doing their work because it's remote? Uh, like I, I hear stories, my girlfriend has uh, kids and you know they struggled a lot with getting their assignments done with remote learning, it was something new. Do you see anything like that? It, Surprisingly, we've seen much better uh, attendance than we had in person. Really? Again, you have some of those barriers like transportation or even weather, things that pe people would have previously not come in because that was going on that day. And mm -hmm. instead, they're still willing and able and, and they are very invested. Our group right now, um, they seem to have formed a really good bond and it's important that they're keeping an eye out. Yeah, and they're so holding you each other want to show up. <laughs> yeah, so it's been, um, the, the attendance has been really good. Um, to have that uh, peer support group texting you like, hey, you going to class today? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there. You better be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. It helps. Um, and then you mentioned that there are a number of participants that are out of state. Um, what proportion do you think that is? At this point, um, initially we were still working within our Birmingham database. So we had a good chunk of people who are just local, but it's recently really jumped up. I would say at this point we're talking to about 50-50 as far as um, in local in the state even and then outside of the state wow that's um so you guys are going national pretty quick yeah it's been great and that has that been spreading just kind of word of mouth or have you been reaching out to other organizations in those states we are so we've had lakeshore foundation working within those connections because they're of course involved with other organizations and they've helped spread the word we've also posted on social media which is a super easy way to get to outside of the state i mean we've we can tell when there's somebody sharing because all of a sudden we have had an influx of people from pennsylvania that got our information so we know how um, social media has really affected and it's been extremely helpful for us. Um, I'd like to kind of take a step back uh, for a second. Dr. Rimmer, if everything were to go perfect for the M2M study, mm -hmm. uh, picture perfect, what would that look like at the end of that study? There are so many people in this country with and without disabilities that do not consciously think of the importance of movement as a science and as a health measure you know, an indicator. So my, my dream is, as Alex mentioned, you know, so many people with disabilities wake up with not only transportation issues, but pain or fatigue or depression or anxiety or a combination of all those, or they're having trouble with a family member and they can't get to a site. My dream is that we get 100% attendance because every human being needs movement to music. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the science that has been done now in the area of the brain, which we call neuroscience, proves it. There are two major things that we need to do in order to keep our lives sustainable. We need to take care of every system on our body. That's the circulatory system, the cardiac system, the muscular system, the skeletal system, the nervous system. And there's no better way to do that than to move. The second big piece of this is the music component. And when you combine those two, it's, it's the perfect storm because music is also very ameliorated. There are lots of lots of research going on now at the National Institutes of Health looking at the benefits of just listening to music. Sometimes it's music from your 
you know, your, your era of being a 20-year-old, you know? And other times it's contemporary music, the new things that are coming out today. But music is really stimulating, and it's stimulating to the brain. So when you put the two together, you know, you've got this great combination that every American in the United States, including people with disabilities, should move. And what we've tried to do with Movement to Music is make that easy to do. A, you can do it in your pajamas. We don't care what you come to, you know, obviously you have to have clothes on, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get prepared, which sometimes takes a long time. Someone with a spinal cord injury uh, could it take up to four hours. By the time they get up, they get into the, uh, their bladder, bladder and bowel maintenance, they get in the chair, they get dressed, they get in the, in the car, they get in and out of the car, they come to the fitness center, they get undressed. I mean, this is an enormous amount of time and no one's gonna, in their right mind, including me, would spend four hours a day to get 30 minutes of activity. It's, 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 not, it's not very effective. Yeah. We think movement, movement to music may be that answer because you don't even have to do it for 30 minutes. Yes, we push. I mean, this is a vigorous program. But it doesn't have to be, right? You could stop, right? You could, you could adapt. You could just say, I want to do this today. So we're hoping that we have zero absenteeism. And if somebody just wants to come for the strength part, or they want to come for the end of the mindfulness session, that's what we're all about. So in the answer to the question, the long-winded answer is, you know, we, we like this because it really has generalizability to every human being. It doesn't necessarily mean that it can work for people with fibromyalgia, it can work with people with lupus, it can work with people you know, who have intellectual developmental disabilities. It really is a form of exercise, which we don't even use the term exercise because the key is not necessarily exercise. Many people have a very negative connotation of exercise. They think of somebody going out to run or somebody lifting weights. It really should be movement as medicine rather than exercise as medicine. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, our mantra at the American College of Sports Medicine is exercise as medicine. But what we need to be thinking about are the millions and millions of Americans in the United States who are not moving at all or not moving enough. And that's why we think movement of music is a generalizable program to, to even myself, you know, a former runner who can't run on every day, uh, every single day now because of knee pain, right? So what do I do the other days? So I envision a movement to music, you know, for runners, using the legs, making sure the quads are straightened, the hamstrings. You know, movement to music is not, I hope your audience understands, this is not based on fluff. And I'm not saying that fluff is bad, <laughs> but fluff is random. This is very precision based. And if you read the literature in medicine, everything is moving towards that precision. The end user being an N of one, a single individual benefited and then generalizing it to the millions of people who need it. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you used to be a runner. I hate running. I have shin splints. <laughs> I wrestled in college and that was part of it for losing weight and I hated it. Well, it's, you know, for me, it's the run is high. And yeah. I hope your audience understands movement to music gives you that same kind of high. Yeah. So it's just for me, I grew up in running, you know, uh, when I grew up in the projects at Queens, a lot of times it was running away from kids. Yeah. That I call names from. <laughs> so I began my, early, my, my career running early, but uh, there are other forms of this. And there's some people say, well, I can't even do weight bearing. You know, I can't even get out and go for a 30 minute walk because I have so much pain and so much discomfort. Or I can't deal with the heat. And I think what Alex described today, this movement to music, is exactly the answer of what people need in order to at least start the process of becoming you know, more mobile and certainly looking at that as an opportunity. We hope that people who are watching this show really do contact Alex and ask him for, you know, maybe we need to do it for kids with intellectual disabilities. Maybe we need to focus on a sp specific population. Yes, this is a study and we can't change it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we couldn't do something in the future. So we want to hear from your audience. Yeah, and that would kind of be yeah. my next question is, if yeah. you have 100% capacity in this study and everything goes picture perfect, kind of what's the next step? Is it other states adopting this or licensing this study out uh, so other organizations start to incorporate it in their uh, other lakeshores throughout the, the country? Well, Alex wants to become rich on this, and I keep telling him <laughs> this is not the reason why we're doing this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Trademarking, you know. Uh, no, we, this is really a free program, so we, we hope that everyone adopts it. And, and you know, I have to give a shout out to the CEO of the Y in Birmingham, Dan Pyle. He's amazing. You know, he is. He gets it. He understands the value and the importance of doing movement to music. Wouldn't you agree with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. He's been great. So you have to start with the CEO, and and Dan is the CEO here in Birmingham, and he's just done an outstanding job of supporting 
this program and this project every step of the way. So we hope to see every YMCA instructor someday do this. This is not going to be the end of our funding. So if your audience has questions or comments, have them send it to Alex. Mm -hmm. She can respond. Let, let me know what we need to do going forward. Yeah, I love the uh, the YMCA kind of work uh, there, the relationship. <clears throat> Yeah. And I've had a lot of people on the broadcast say that they wish the YMCA had more accessible programs. Uh, so this is a perfect thing for the YMCA to kind of, you know, introduce there. Um, and it, it makes sense that the movement is, is really healthy uh, for long-term success, viability for yourself, taking care of yourself. I never paid much attention to the music. Now, I work out and I love listening to music. Um, I have music in the background when I'm working, um, but I never read any studies or anything like that we had an audiologist on what was that um on tuesday and they were speaking about the importance of speaking to your children um, whether that's just reading a book to them or talking with them uh, and now i'm wondering if the if just as it's important for children to to have that audio stimulation it's just as important as you continue to grow and and as you're an adult it's important to get that that stimulation and you're saying it's through music I never thought about that music. Yeah, music is powerful. It is really, really powerful. I mean, even when you look at the literature on people with cognitive issues like Alzheimer's and they put certain music on, their brain just comes to, to life. It's, it's a totally different person. So music does have um, elements built into those patterns, uh, those sounds, you know, the acoustics, the decibel level that connect with some of the deepest layers of the brain and sometimes by connecting with those deep inner core layers you can actually bring out some level of joy and happiness in certain people who are really frustrated or disappointed or depressed and of course you know as a caretaker there's nothing better than what some a loved one you know who has a cognitive issue all of a sudden come to life even if it's temporary you know the beauty of seeing someone come out of that place of almost darkness you know where they're confused and they don't know what's going on and I have a sister now who's in a rehab nursing facility after a tumor and she's only 70. You know music is a beautifully comforting way for her and her husband to reunite you know in a, in a moment of time albeit very short but something that they could live on and he can live on you know when he leaves the facility so you know again I, I just hope your audience understands that we're here for them and if we could work with people with cognitive disabilities in the future, we, we'd be delighted to put a movement to music program together, submit a grant, and, and, and show you know, the potential opportunities of how music and the movement together actually have synergistic effects that have much better outcomes. Yeah. Um, I notice it sometimes when I'm listening to a song for the first time and I really like it, and like the hair on the back of my neck goes up. Yeah. You know, it's powerful there and it kind of anchors whatever I'm doing at that moment to that sound of music. So if I hear it a few years later, I'd be like, I remember exactly what I was doing when this happened because it had such an effect on me. Now, when we talk about music, are you guys doing like Metallica in the classroom or what kind of music is it? <laughs> no, so with any program, copyright uh, with, this, with songs is difficult. So what we have is a little bit more, you won't necessarily hear exactly what you're hearing on the radio, but we are taking sounds and we are taking the musics that's behind that lyrics and we're using stuff that have different themes. So we have um, kind of worked really hard to create a different variety. There's 36 classes, there's 36 themes. Um, so we've, we've found, you know, even somebody will come in and it'll be country western and they just really, really dislike country. But it's not, you know, twangy words that you're hearing. It's, it's got a country theme to it, but it's a fun music. And at the end of the day, that person says, this was awesome. You know, it was something I wouldn't have done before. Is it like a, a lo-fi... Um chill cow thing on on youtube you ever seen those I have it goes seen for like 12 12 hours <laughs> um we might have one that could resemble that uh, but i feel like that kind of wants to put me to sleep yeah so it's try more to like... find a little more upbeat <laughs> <laughs> now there's quite a bit of data that you guys need to collect for this study um what kind of data is collected and how is it collected so we do a lot of um, exercise preferences. We do a lot of things that we want to know just what's available for people right now with these seven disabilities or diagnoses. Um, so we do have a lot of questionnaires that we ask. We want to know what's available. We want to know what your preference is. We want to know, um, we do like to ask about pain, fatigue. Um, so we do a bunch of that. We also do physical measures. We want to see that this class is providing all of the things that we put into it, cardio, strength, range of motion. We wanna know that 
um, those physical measures are actually changing. So we'll do some things at the beginning. Um, if you are someone who's able to stand, we'll do a sit to stand test where basically you're in a chair, you stand up, you sit down a few times. Um, we'll do that at the beginning, we'll do that at the end, and we'll see if there's a change. We have a couple things. We don't do weight. We're not interested as a weight loss program, so we're not focused in on that. Um, we will look at your blood pressure. We will look at kind of a cardio test that's a um, arm-based exercise. It's going to music, and it's a little bit of just seeing your endurance. So we're, we're kind of testing a couple different areas, but all in all, it's um, really a broad span of trying to get a good picture of each individual person and see where they are in their life and what's going on and then what does it look like after the program? So for each person, will they have their own uh, data collected? Like for someone yes. is, is having trouble getting up out of a chair. So they'll start with uh, testing the chair and then at the end of the study, they'll also do that. And somebody in the same class would have a different uh, start and finish. Correct. And then as far as um, when we report data, it's never reported on an individual basis. It's always grouped together. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to privacy, you're never going to be, you know, participant A, you will always be a part of one group um, and that that data will then be lumped together with all the other groups and, and shared. So it is individualized. You never know how another person's tested or what um, their scores were and vice versa but then we group it all together when we're reporting it at the end. So if a participant, and this sounds really cool because you could build your own uh, study basically as a participant. You say, I'm struggling in this area and I wanna work on this. And so the age old comment of whatever you measure um, gets better, you know, mm -hmm. so you can say, I wanna do this. Uh, and then you guys will help them and through the exercising and then record everything along the way. Absolutely, we actually have a health coaching component of this as well, which is um, a big part of it from a participant's individualized goals. So it's not always the measurable, um, you know, what I did at baseline, this is what my score was, but a lot of times it'll be, at the end of this, I want to be able to go and walk with my granddaughter around the park four times. And so throughout the 12 weeks, we do have our instructors having regular calls with them and having smart goals set up. So if you want to go four times, we're going to ease into it by trying to go one time and then build up. So um, every participant gets the opportunity to kind of establish their own goals on top of just attending the class and hopefully gaining the cardio and strength um, benefits of participating in the program. And if you would speak a little bit about, um, you know, most people think about movement and, and exercise studies, um, a lot of lifting weights or, you know, running that kind of stuff. But you guys are doing a lot more <clears throat> like in the mindfulness sector. If you could speak a little bit about that, and you kind of mentioned that they'll make just regular calls and check in on people. Yes. What does that look like? So we have some stuff within the class itself. We do a cardio imagery that's, that is that is a mindfulness side of it. We have a mindfulness moment at the end where we really calm down after doing all that exercise. We have, um, you know, as far as the social cognitive um, getting together of being in a group and we have a few minutes before class and a few minutes at the end of the class where everyone's just chatting and catching up and developing friendships within the classroom. Um, and then in addition to that, you develop this relationship with your instructor who is also a health coach and that's somebody that you can lean on for support and, and establish some goals, maybe have some guidance on how to achieve those goals. So um, it, it is all encompassing and we definitely have a heavy focus on mindfulness and really getting um, all aspects of health included into this. Yeah, it seems like a little bit of therapy in there as well too. I have a family member uh, and she recently is doing a dietitian um, kind of not study but program uh, and she said one thing that she really likes is that her coaches she has a few different coaches will contact her throughout the day or if she ever has a question they're a text message away and so she feels like yes she's she's doing well with what she's eating and the dieting stuff um, but she also feels like it's you know, group therapy almost for her. Uh, well, she'd be like, I, I feel like eating this right now. So I'm going to text them and they'll kind of walk me through. Well, why are you, why are you eating like this? Um, is there a constant contact that's available through the program like that? Like you can call your coach if you want to? So you can call um, the study staff at any time. We have a couple different numbers that you can always call depending on kind of what your need is. We do meet three times a week. So generally everyone's kind of getting that contact as they need it, but certainly if you're in one of those moments where you just need to talk to somebody, the phone number is there and we um, are always around. There's, like you said, a huge staff, so somebody is available to answer. Um, but we are ending our current group and they've already asked about sharing numbers with each other to yeah. continue this effort going forward of staying friends and, and trying to encourage each other to stay active. If somebody's done a 12-week program 
can they do another one? I know you said you switch 50-50, but can they do another one after that? Well, there are other studies that we tend to share because honestly, we hope that they, they've gained the benefits of that program and that we are giving them a resource to continue that. Yeah. Um, but we also want them to have the opportunity to participate in other programs. And by continuing with us, they would be not able to continue in other programs. So um, we have had a couple people do this because we went from the in-person to remote where they did it originally and they've done it again, mm -hmm. but we don't re-enroll going forward. Um, we try to encourage them with the resources we give them to continue their their plan and doing the class. And then of course, if we're ever in a why, they'll get to find out about it. Yeah, so I, I imagine going through the study and then being like, hey, now this is at your local why after the 12 weeks or 24 weeks uh, would be a nice transition for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Do you notice people that get into one program after that program's done, will they do another program under the UAB Lakeshore if they're eligible? Does that happen quite often? Yes, we have a program called Mentor, um, and Dr. Rimmer can kind of speak to this, but it's, it is a great complement to our program where we're kind of focused on movement, and we do have a little bit of mindfulness in that. Mentor is really focused on, on the mindfulness, exercise, and nutrition, just whole health approach, mm -hmm. and it's a little less prescriptive, um, whereas we're saying this is, you know, three times a week and you're going to do these movements, and it's, it's very... Um, individualized but prescriptive in that and the next step is really kind of taking what you've learned and being able to go to mentor and gain some more knowledge especially with nutrition since we don't offer that mm -hmm. um, so we've seen a lot of individuals go from our program straight into mentor yeah i imagine that's a, a really nice transition there uh dr rimmer if you'd like to introduce mentor a little bit there some of the background yeah well you know we talked about the synergistic effect of movement and music and you know that has tremendous powerful impacts on the brain but we also know that there are other forms of wellness and health promotion that can also you know, add uh, another dimension of how one you know, who may be struggling with some part of their life uh, can overcome. And certainly you know, what we've learned is from the growing amount of literature in nutrition that you know, there are certain diets that actually cause some of the mental health and physical health problems that we have. Something you know, that we're starting to see more and more in the literature are these things called anti-inflammatory diets. You know, our body, many people, unfortunately, who have pain, you know, are living, you know, with a systemic inflammation, which causes a lot of pain, you know, in different parts of the body. Sometimes it's systemic pain, which is which means it's all over the body, and sometimes it's local to a set of, you know, shoulders or knees or some of the joints. So we think that as someone comes out of mentor, you know, they go into movement to music where they get a little bit more specificity on the importance of music and, and, and exercise. But it could also work the other way, as Alex mentioned, where someone comes out of movement to music and they really want a much more comprehensive wellness program, which includes being able to take care of the mind. You know, our mind is like a raging river. People don't realize that, that all we do is constantly bombarded with thoughts. And sadly, a lot of these thoughts create depression and anxiety. So you, I can walk by someone's office and see that their their mind is is work is overreacting today on something. I could see it in their eyes. That people don't know I can see it. And I'm not a I'm not a miracle worker or a magician, but I could see it because I know the same thing with me. How it feels when you're kind of out of the groove or out of the moment. So I want your audience to understand that you know there's a way out of this feeling of having the mind in the gutter, where everything is fatal and you really can't move on. Now, does that mean every individual can be, um, can, can improve? The answer is yes. Sometimes people need medication. If it's, if it's gotten to a, a level where they can't even function, they can't get on an airplane you know, without overreacting, then that's something else. But most people live in a thing called dysthymia, which is a form of depression that is a lot of time unrecognized and undiagnosed. And by the way, this is just not the disability community. This is every single human being on the face of the planet. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with not having a real spiritual foundation. And you know, some, something funny about mindfulness that people don't recognize, and I've only learned this recently, is the mind, controlling the mind through mindfulness is really trying to get to a level where you could get into the spirit, which is the deepest part of your lake. And I never realized that because, you know, you think of mindfulness as being very secular, you know, that everybody does it and it's got a science, but it really is just trying to clear, you know, the clouds of thoughts. So you can get down and try to figure out what is this inner purpose? Hmm. And inner purpose doesn't mean to become a scholar or a researcher. Inner purpose is really about treating each other 
you know, in that moment the same way, mm. you know, with joy, peace, love, and, and the spirit of the soul. So we think that mindfulness leads to the spirituality of mentor, and then you take the spirituality and you bring it back into your daily activity. Movement is part of that process, as Alex mentioned, you know, but it all fits together, and that's what mentor is. It's, it's the whole package together, but we also know that movement to music, you know, needs to be done because you need to start with movement in order to reach the mind, which then in turn can reach the spirit. Yeah, I like the, the I, if I were doing it, I think I would do M to M and then I would go into the mentor because if, if I, like I said, if I need, if I'm having a bad day and I wanna make it a good day, as long as I do a half hour's worth of physical exercise, I've, it changes my mentality there. But I would, it sounds like if, if I know somebody that is dealing with a lot of stress in their life, um, this is like a, a three month program that could turn their life around in one year. You know, I think you bring up a good point. I want to accentuate to your audience that movement changes blood flow. Hmm. And when you have blood flow changing to the brain, you do end up getting that junk that's in there that gets stuck in there out of it. So you're absolutely right. I mean, the whole area of beta endorphins and, and, and now we're even seeing this thing called epigenetics where you can actually do something called gene transcription by exercise, you're changing your disability genes, you're changing your depression genes. Not that it's something bad, but you're able to cope better when you do exercise with depression and with movement. So biologically, if you're feeling really lousy, the best thing to do is get up and move. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you'll, you'll feel much better. It's almost 99.9% .9 guaranteed if it's safe and you're not feeling any joint pain, you know, in a dude in a safe way, which we think is what movement, movement to music is really all about, you know, you're going to have a much better day. Now, you mentioned um, a little bit ago about inflammation in the body, whether that's all over or local, and then you mentioned diet. What are you noticing between the two there? What causes that inflammation if someone's... It's a new science, so it's emergent, and we've got an unbelievable nutrition science department at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, so there are a lot more people that could talk about this issue. You might want to do a whole show on just inflammation with Dr. Barbara Gower, mm -hmm. who's amazing. You know, she is uh, one of the international researchers in looking at low-carbohydrate diets. But let me just put it in a nutshell about nutrition, because I'm passionate about nutrition. I mean, everything I do every minute of the day you know, has something to do with nutrition. You know, I'm eating sardines now um, on a regular basis. Sardines. Because, oh yeah, sardines are extremely healthy. This it's, is, I used to yeah. eat sardines in college with in Louisiana hot sauce and it was like our cheap man's, <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. you know, gourmet. We put them on crackers and that <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you could do it without the cob, you know, the crack, it's even better. But, but during, I mean, every, the, the whole area of medicine, food medicine, nutritional medicine has grown leaps and bounds. So that's a whole nother show for your audience because you know, you'd be surprised at how much your life can change by eating the right kinds of foods and getting rid of some of the worst. In a nutshell, we know the processed foods, and I have them in my house. I don't eat them a lot, but you know, when Boulder chips are on sale, my wife has to go out there and buy 1,800 bags. <laughs> and every time I see one gone, there's another one that appears. And I keep telling her, don't do this to me. Keep it out of the house. But it's a, you know, she says, you know, that's the only thing we really eat because we eat vegetables most of our day and, and um, I think that your audience could really benefit from understanding more about how food actually impacts every system in the body. Mm -hmm. um, why sardines specifically? Are they like a, a pack a lot of protein? Well, you know, I'm a ma I, I am a madman for finding these things called superfoods. There actually is a term now in the literature called superfoods. Yeah. And blueberries, something I started 20 years ago, is a superfood. And has enormous, enormous benefits from not only the anti-inflammatory standpoint, but also from cardiovascular enhancement. You know, your blood flow, your rates of heart disease go down. So I started that about 30 years ago. I started with green tea. Mm -hmm. You know, green tea has something called catechinins in it. And they're amazing in terms of, again, increasing blood flow, reducing issues with circulation, improving cardiac function, stroke volume, you know, getting better flow of, of information to the brain. Sardines are more for the brain than anything else. Omega-3 okay. acids, fatty acids, you know, um, they're, they're just been known for a long time, but we just don't quite know if the tablets that you take or the, what do they call it, capsules? The pills, yeah. The pills are it's like good. fish oil kind of thing? Yeah, fish oils. If that's as good as the actual fish itself. Now, why are sardines? Why sardines? Well, sardines is a general term, you know, came from the island Sardinia outside of Italy, right? 
which is one of the if you read it, if you want to read a good book there's a book called the uh, the blue what is it called the blue zones yeah the blue zones and then there's eight uh, parts of the world these eight countries Sardinia being one of them you know or islands where people live to over a hundred mm -hmm. I mean the, the rates are staggering in terms of number of people so they go back and they study you know scientists go back and study what are they eating what are they doing and it's always the same two things you know they're exercising every day and they're eating lots of Mediterranean foods you mm -hmm. know the, the even the cheeses and the wine and you know and uh, the fish but sardines are so much better than any other kind of fish in the world because they're very, very tiny. And they eat plankton, you know, which is a green type of vegetation that grows in water. So they don't end up with this accumulation of all the deleterious parts of the ocean like mercury. Yeah. So even pregnant women, you know, they'll say on the side, you know, be careful. But most of the research will show that even a few sardines in pregnant women is good because you're developing the brain of a, of a, of a fetus. Yeah. And you need that kind of food in order to grow certain connections so don't get me started on diet well, so I, now i'm putting i knew about the blueberries um but now i'm putting sardines in the superfood so now my girlfriend can't complain that i'm eating sardines in louisiana hot sauce yeah, she's gonna have to start eating them too she hates right? she won't do it yeah i'll send you the article she wants to see it i mean by the way uh for, for the audience you know some who may be a little bit in that quote-unquote zone of dysthymia you know not feeling just feeling blah, you yeah. know, one of those, eh, you know, I don't know why I'm here. What, what is my life about? Sardines also has an impact on the brain and they're showing research that it actually reduces depression. Hmm. So ha, this is, I think, you know, when we talk about Lakeshore someday and the next generation is I see, you know, as active as we are and as exercise oriented, I see the same thing happening with nutritional medicine on this campus, bringing yeah. people in, having them live for a couple of weeks, trying to figure out the blood chemistries, looking at their DNA, hooking them up with some of the highest level of instrumentation at UAB to understand this feel, feeling of blah or dysthymia or depression. So I, I see that as the next generation for yeah, lecture. Having like a full, like a camp yes. uh, kind of thing where you would be yes. here on campus, there'd be a full kitchen here yep. uh, and, and kind of regulated, get you back on track there. Yeah. Uh, and then that, I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, I could see a whole building up out there. You guys just built a new building here before in, but I can see a whole other one. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's jump back into the M2M here. And um, you're currently in a program. When does the next program start? Our next program is going to start June 21st. So we're at the stage where we are talking to individuals, getting them um, recruited and getting all their paperwork completed and enrolled. We do have to do testing beforehand. So generally, we're looking at the next two to three weeks, really getting people in in order for them to get started at a, a timely point um, in June. And how do I sign up? There's a website with a um, registration form in there. It's uh, www.m2mstudy.org. Um, and I know you mentioned putting that kind of in the chat box, so mm -hmm. that'll make it easier. Yeah, we're going to put that in the chat box. And I don't have to... I don't have to bring anything with me. I can sign up and you guys will provide me with all the information. You'll send out the equipment if I need it. Uh, I just need to show up. You don't even have to show up. You have to stay at your house and receive the package when it arrives and log into Zoom when we ask you to. Now, are you doing the June 21st uh, remote or in person? Yeah, we we're doing remote. And do you, when do you think you'll go back to in person? We won't in the uh, 2021 year and we may not even uh, into 2022. We don't have a plan yet, but um, certainly it seems like it's our best. We don't want to have to keep changing back and forth. So it makes the most sense for us to continue at least through this whole year uh, with the current plan. Okay. So if people are signing up for the next this year, you can know that uh, you won't have to deal with transportation. Exactly. Uh, you can do it right from your house there. Uh, well, we're going to kind of wrap up here. And we always like to ask, how can the Alabama care community help uh, your cause, what you guys are doing? Well, for, for, for us, I think I could speak for Alex and certainly she could uh, have, make other comments. We're here for you. You know, Alabama Care, we understand and are passionate about the work that you are doing, reaching the community of people with disabilities. So our job is to sort of serve as an auxiliary to that, you know, an adjunct to the great work you do. But our biggest challenge, and I want everybody on this um, webinar to understand that our biggest challenge is that we've got to understand how to get people with disabilities to a level of consciousness where they see exercise 
as one of the most important aspects of their life. Mm. And right now that's not happening. And I think it's not happening for a number of reasons. And as Alex mentioned, you know, the cost, the transportation issues, this is not for me. I hate the word exercise. It's not going to do any good. I've tried it once before and it didn't help me. I think all those things can be eliminated through movement to music. The other part of this is that movement to music, we want to know how you feel about this. I mean, that's what, it, you know, that's what we live for. If you've got issues where you think it should be X or Y, that's what I do for a living. You know, I write grants to try to meet the needs of the community. So we, we care, Alabama cares. We care for you, Alabama care. And we hope that you care enough for us that you put this program as one of your highest priorities and get it out to people who need it we'll take care of the rest of it as alex mentioned mm. so i'm going to try and get a few people maybe i'll sign up for it if i can maybe clifton and i'll do it <laughs> you know we can't encourage other people to do it if we haven't done it ourselves Absolutely, that's yeah. true that's true yeah. Yeah. we can do like a live demonstration maybe one day that would be awesome we could do it yeah yeah um and so actually you guys do participants have any type of compensation we do so we know that um within research we have to ask participants to do a lot of certain, you know, structure. We, we really want you to be able to attend as much as we can because in the end, yes, we want it, this program to be in the community and we want people to receive the benefits of it. In order to do that, we have to ask a lot from people. And so we do provide compensation for their time. Um, over the span of time, you can gain, you can earn continually, but at the beginning we do provide um, $25 right off the bat and then once you've completed the program, $50. And then going forward we can give you opportunities to gain more money um, as you do some questionnaires and things like that to continue our opportunity to study the effects. I feel like a professional athlete, you know, getting paid to work out, getting paid to perform <laughs> exercise movement. Yes. Um, and what days of the week um, are the classes? So right now we're looking, well, currently we have a class Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, we have two different class times. In this next group, we're gonna have Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 and at two, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Friday at 12.30. Um, and those are specific to the functional groups. So it's not just a, a sign up for whichever class time. It is, it is putting you into the correct um, functional level group that you'll receive the most benefit from. But we've tried to start expanding and having more classes as we're able to yeah sometimes i could see how that would cause a little bit of trouble if someone's working at that hour or something like that it is and we do have the opportunity to look if if we have enough people that call and say i really do need after five we we can add that class we just haven't had the need yet gotcha um are there any um is there anything that we're going to kind of end the broadcast here but is there anything that we haven't talked about um, that you think either a person with a disability or their family member would benefit from hearing? Good question. That's a great question. <laughs> I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there anything that comes to mind that we just haven't hit on today that you think, you know, your audience should know this? Well, I, I personally think that, you know, we need to hear from them, mm -hmm. right? And so there may, I'm sure, I'm sure there are things and issues that they're dealing with in their mind or their children's mind that we can help them with. Now, can we help them tomorrow with that? No, you know, that, that may be something that may, may take us a little bit of time. But I wanna promise your audience that if they're suffering, any kind of suffering, physical, mental, emotional, architectural, attitudinal, discrimination, racism, ableism, we'll find somebody here at Lakeshore to help them. Mm. That's, that's our life passion, you know? I often think about, you know, someday I'm going to, you know, hop to step off the stage, you know, and do something else and retire. But there's one thing I cannot get out of my mind, and that is the pain that I have seen in my 40 years in higher education of people with disabilities who have been discriminated against and don't have the kind of programs that they need. So if I have to stay in this role for more time than less time and give up fly fishing, my home in Boulder, Colorado, I will do that. But I have to hear from you, mm. the audience, to be able to keep me, you know, connected with you. Because without you, you know, I feel like I don't even exist. Mm. So that's my passion, is for your audience to understand that Alex is here to meet every single thing that we can possibly do to make your life better. We understand that this is not a one-way street, that, that you have to do part of it. You have to sign up. You know, you have to promote this program. But maybe that's your spiritual journey. 
just showing us through the science, demonstrating to the science, to the federal agency that you are begging for something like this. Because mm -hmm. if we don't get that kind of response, then the government kind of looks at this as maybe it's a one-off. We don't need movement to music. Yep. So we need all of you, and I hope you understand that, and reach out to Alex, even if it's just a call or interacting with her or expressing some area that maybe you think doesn't quite fit in M2M, you'd be surprised at what M2M can do to make your life better. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think just to piggyback off, I mean, I am here to represent Movement to Music. It's the study that I'm, uh, you know, hired to work on. But in the end, we have an array of opportunities. And the whole purpose of the collaborative is to provide opportunities for individuals with disabilities who may or may not be able to find something. And we want to help. So, um, you know, give us a call. We have recruitment coordinators, Lori Terrio. We have a couple others who you can call and talk to and just say, this is, you know, what do you have? What could fit what I'm looking for? So Movement to Music is a great program. We would love to have you. It's also, you know, there's other programs that might be a better fit or might be of more interest to you. And we would just, as a collaborative, we'd love to have any of your um, audience call us and we can try to help connect them with programs, with Lakeshore Foundation, anything that we have to offer. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys spending the morning with us here today uh, and your time. I think Clifton are gonna, and I are going to try and spearhead and get uh, a group of our audience members and community members to join with us. Absolutely. I well, think it'd thank be great. you for having us. It's yeah, been wonderful. It. Yeah. Well, at this point, we're going to go ahead and end the broadcast, and you guys can each look at your respective cameras and kind of give a wave to everybody. Uh, and we'll see you guys uh, later today.